Welcome back to the Der Show, um, the show yesterday, which focused on the leak in the Supreme Court and Justice Alito's decision got a tremendous amount of both viewership and, and comments. People care deeply, deeply, deeply about abortion. Let me tell you what they don't care about. They don't care about whether it's left to the states or the Supreme Court or federal legislation. That's a pretense. Um, it's just an excuse. People either support abortion or they don't support abortion. Sending it to the states is just a way of saying, Let, let's abolish it. Um, and keeping it in the Supreme Court is just a way of saying, let's have it. Very, very few people in America really care about institutional separation of powers, whether it should go to the legislature or to the judiciary. People want results. And people want to use process arguments to achieve results. It's just like free speech. Nobody believes in free speech. Nobody believes in due process. Everybody believes in free speech for me, uh, but not for thee. Due process for me, but not for thee. A state's rights for me, but not for thee. The same people, of course, who uh, want to send it to the states would be appalled if gun control was sent to the states. Uh, everybody's a hypocrite uh, when it comes to these issues. Nobody cares about process. Nobody cares about whether or not it should be a legislative matter, a judicial matter, a federal matter, or a state matter. It's an easy pretext. People just want to get their way. If you're in favor of abortion, hey, let's leave it to the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade said there is a constitutional right to abortion. If you're uh, opposed to abortion, leave it to the states, because 30-something states have or will or may abolish abortion. So let's stop kidding ourselves about people caring about the Supreme Court and about legislative uh, action or inaction. It's nonsense. I care about it. I've been teaching these issues for 50-something years. I care about it and some other people care about it, but the vast majority of people couldn't care less about process. What they want is results. They want to get it their way. And whatever it takes to get it their way, they're willing to achieve. I think gun control, uh, the Second Amendment, and the abortion thing is just a perfect example. The Constitution of the United States does not explicitly give any individual a right to bear arms. It doesn't. And for the 180 years or 200 years, before the Heller case, nobody dreamed of suggesting that the Second Amendment actually gives an individual the right to own a gun or have a gun. No other constitution in the world does that. And then the Supreme Court, in a very controversial five to four decision, interpreted the Second Amendment in a weird and strange way. The Second Amendment, after all, talks about militias. It was an issue about whether or not states should be able to have militias. Remember, Jefferson didn't want a standing army. Hamilton wanted a standing army. Second Amendment was not about an individual right to bear arms. That was legislative. That was up to the states. Of course, in Kentucky, you're going to have a right to bear arms. And maybe in Boston, Massachusetts, and in Brooklyn, you're not. Uh, the situation is very different. Should there be a universal Supreme Court rule on gun control? You can argue no, but the same people who argue, oh, you need the Supreme Court to give us the right to bear arms. How dare the Supreme Court give a woman the right to have an abortion? It's just hypocritical. You're a bunch of hypocrites out there and face it. Admit it. Admit that all you care about is results. You want your guns. So the Second Amendment has a right to bear arms, even though it has a 
clause that starts out by saying that this is all about militias. If you like guns, you're a big, interpret the Second Amendment broadly like it's never been interpreted before, like it was never intended to be interpreted, but we'll interpret it your way because you like guns. If you don't like abortions, hey, even though there is a right of privacy, Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their homes and persons, etc., a right of privacy, the same right that allows you to take birth control uh, pills if you're a married couple, which the Supreme Court had to vindicate, because Connecticut, a liberal state, but a state which had a lot of religious influence, said, no, 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 you can't have a birth control clinic in the middle of New Haven. I used to pass that birth control clinic on the way to going to school. And it was outlawed by the state of, of, of Connecticut. And the Supreme Court said, no, no, there's privacy rights and the right to decide when to have children. That's essential. And not too many people protested that. Look, I acknowledge that abortion is a much tougher issue than birth control. It's a much tougher issue than gay marriage, gay rights, transgender rights. Look, nobody, nobody has the right to complain about gay people having sex with each other. It's just nobody's damn business. Nobody has the right to complain if a man wants to marry a man. Nobody has the right to complain if a black man wants to marry a white woman. Yet, until the Loving case, in the middle of the 1960s, while I was you know, just out of law school, it was a crime for a black man to marry a white woman or, or, or vice versa. And the framers of the 14th Amendment didn't intend to change that, but life changed. It's unthinkable today that we would prevent a black man from marrying a black woman. Look, when I was growing up, there was not a single commercial on television ever. Not forget about when I was growing up. 15 years ago, there wasn't a single commercial on television showing a black man married to a white woman. Today, it's the most common thing in the world. It's part of our culture and part of our acceptance. I think that gay rights are becoming quickly part of our acceptance. Transgender issues are a little bit more difficult. But it's none of your damn business if a man wants to become a woman or a woman wants to become a man. Be a conservative. Get out of people's bedrooms. Get out of people's bathrooms. Get out of people's underwear. Be conservative. Be consistent with your views. It's none of your damn business if a man wants to become a woman or a woman wants to become a man. Now, it's different with abortion. A very large proportion of people in the United States believe that abortion is the killing of an innocent fetus, that another person is involved. There's no other person involved with gay, transgender, um, racial marriage, nobody, birth control. But if you believe that a person is being killed, then obviously you wouldn't say, by the way, leave it to the states. If you really think a person is being killed, be logical. Make it a crime. Make it murder. Punish it by death if you believe in the death penalty. If you really believe it's a person who's being aborted, why would you leave it to the states? You shouldn't permit the states to allow murder. Would we allow states under the Constitution to allow murdering seven-year-old children or 20-year-old children? No, uh, we wouldn't. And, 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 and yet, those of you who think that it's murder are prepared to say, oh, we'll leave it to the states. No, you're not. You just say leave it to the states because you know the states will abolish it and outlaw it. 
It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. And write me, tell me why it's not. But it's absolute hypocrisy. Let's be honest about it. There's a tremendous cultural divide in this country about whether or not a woman should have the right to abort a fetus. Up to 15 weeks, up to 20 weeks, up to the first trimester, the second trimester, almost all Americans believe that it shouldn't be permitted toward the end of pregnancy when a child is viable and could be birthed without damage to the mother and put up for adoption. There's a wide consensus about that. There's also a wide consensus that at the very earliest stages of pregnancy, some form of abortion, medical abortion pills, should be permitted. It's that area between 15 weeks and nine months or eight and a half months that's highly contested, and it, it, and it should be high tested, highly contested. And I have to tell you, you heard it from me, there are reasonable arguments on both sides of that issue. There are reasonable arguments. If I were born as a religious fundamentalist Christian uh, who honestly believed that at the moment of conception, a child is born and has a soul and has a heartbeat and feels pain, I would have a very different view, probably, of the abortion issue. I wasn't born with that philosophy. Uh, my philosophy was, was different, that a child becomes a child you know, late in the pregnancy and when it's born, and it's a matter of degree, and I don't want women to have back alley abortions, and therefore, you know, I've come down strongly on the side of a woman's right to choose, um, certainly the first and second uh, trimester. That's my moral view. That's my empirical view. That's my legal uh, view. But I understand the opposing point of view. I've had a discussion with Antonin Scalia uh, about that. Uh, he was born as a very religious Catholic, and he believes that it is a, a venal sin to kill uh, and abort uh, a fetus. I respect Scalia. Um, and so the issue that nobody cares about, really, but the issue that I care deeply about is should that fundamental dispute between me and Scalia, between secularists and religious people, should it be resolved by the Supreme Court or should it be resolved by uh, legislatures? And if legislatures, should it be the state legislature or should it be Congress under the Commerce Clause or some other provision? of the Constitution. These are reasonable debates that nobody cares about. These are reasonable debates that are a pretext, that are put out there in order to hide the real truth, um, that people just care about the end, the end uh, result. And so, you know, this is going to be a dispute that will never end, certainly not in my lifetime, and I suspect not in your lifetime. So where do we go from here? First of all, Supporters of a woman's right to choose should begin to marshal and should begin to fight back, uh, should begin to organize and get legislation enacted and oppose legislation that bans abortion. The protests shouldn't be at the Supreme Court. They're not going to have any effect. They should be in the Kansas legislature, in the Oklahoma legislature. They should be in Phoenix. Um, which is a purple state. It should be in, in Florida, uh, where the people are divided. In Texas, uh, a very, very divided state. Uh, people who, who support a woman's right to abort, particularly at a relatively early stage in the, the first 
trimester and maybe the second trimester will win. If you organize, you will win. We liberals, Democrats, supporters of a woman's right to choose, fell asleep at the wheel. We turned the issue over to a bunch of elitist men, it was nine men, who voted unanimous, who voted six to three for uh, Roe versus Wade. And we sat back and said, huh, we don't have to organize anymore. It's up to the Supreme Court, these nine guys. Um, the really smart people, the people who oppose a woman's right to abortion, they organized. They took Roe versus Wade as a symbol and as an organizing tool, and they won. They won in state legislatures around the country. I don't think they would have won if they had opposition from the other side, but the other side fell asleep. The other side fell asleep and said, we're leaving it up to the Supreme Court justices, these guys in robes. They'll do the work for us. We don't have to do the work. We'll take on other issues, but we don't have to take on the abortion issue. Now, we know how wrong we were. I'm not saying we. I always took the opposite view. From 1973 on, I said we should fight this battle in legislatures. It's not enough to have a Roe versus Wade. That could be reversed at some point. We have to win in state legislatures around the country. Now, there are some state legislatures we won't win in. That's called democracy. That's called federalism. You don't win every issue. And this is an important one to win. And those of us who share my views ought to support Planned Parenthood. Uh, which not only uh, supports abortion, but birth control and sexually transmitted disease prevention and a range of other good things. We ought to organize. We ought to make sure that uh, the Democrats nominate winnable candidates, not these radical leftists who are destroying the Democratic Party and destroying democracy. And the greatest favor that ever happened to Republicans nationally are people like AOC and Elizabeth Warren, who have become the kind of symbol of what the Democrats now stand for. If a person like me can't vote for them, how are you going to get people in the middle? How are you going to get moderate Republicans, suburban housewives? How are you going to get them to vote Democrat if you can't even get me, a person who's been a liberal Democrat for how many years have I voted? I voted for John F. Kennedy in 1960. That's, uh, what, 62 years ago. If you, I've never voted for a Republican for president since that time. If you can't get me to support a party that has the squad as their poster children and Elizabeth Warren as the thoughtful woman, I used to sit next to her at lunch. She was a thoughtful woman for many years until she became the senator from Massachusetts and just became an extremist. Uh, you know, she became a follower of Larry Tribe. Uh, for whom uh, the Democrats can do no wrong and the Republicans can do no right, and bipartisanship is a sin, and uh, principles are a vice. Uh, uh, what you need is partisanship. The Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot. They're destroying any possibility of remaining a majority uh, party, and they will just go downhill quicker and quicker and quicker if they move more and more to the left and away from uh, the center. So those of you like me who support a woman's right to choose, let's do something about it. Let's stop crying. Let's stop exaggerating what the implications will be. No, we're not going to see a reversal of Griswold versus Connecticut. I don't think we're going to see a reversal of gay rights and gay marriage. This is about abortion. It's a complicated issue.
Justice Alito, in his opinion, went out of his way to say this is only about abortion, that other issues like segregated schools, desegregated schools, there's a consensus has developed since Brown versus Board of Education, but no consensus developed after Roe versus Wade. It's still as divisive in 2022 as it was in 1973. And so he singles out abortion as the one issue where the Supreme Court, he says, should get out of the business of creating a right that doesn't exist in the Constitution. Look, I don't agree. I don't think that you reverse 50-year-old decisions based on a change of personnel in the court. All the other cases where you had major, major changes of precedent all involved major changes outside of the court. Outside of the court. Changes outside. Changes that involved major dynamics that required a change. We couldn't tolerate a society in 1954 which required little African-American children to go to inferior schools. We couldn't do that. We couldn't tolerate a society in 1960-something that said to a black man he couldn't marry a woman he loved because she was of a different color. And I don't think we have come to tolerate a society, certainly conservatives shouldn't, which tell a man that he can't marry a man who he loves. Um, but that consensus hasn't been achieved and never will be achieved in abortion. Never will be achieved in abortion. So whichever side wins will be imposing their views on the other side. And then you can argue it should be done legislatively, it should be done judicially. I think that when you have a decision that's been on the books for 50 years, you don't overrule it just because you can. Just because you can. I'm going to get a little raunchy now, but my favorite joke about this is, you know, the question, um, why do dogs lick their testicles? And the answer is because they can. Why does the Supreme Court reverse Roe versus Wade? Because it can. Why did the uh, <coughs> Congress not allow President Obama to appoint Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court? Because it can. That's not the way democracies should work. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And the Supreme Court should not be overruling a 50-year-old decision just because it can. Just because it has three new votes, one of them utterly illegitimate, utterly illegitimate. Two of them legitimate, one of them illegitimate. And let me tell you, I put some blame for this on President Obama. This is a radical suggestion, but his nomination to the Supreme Court, Merrick Garland, who I think would have been a great Supreme Court justice, President Obama and the Democratic Party and me and all the others who support the Democrats and Garland, we got robbed. We got pickpocketed. We got stolen from by the Republican senatorial leadership that said, we're not even going to give Garland a hearing. We're not going to allow a vote because it's eight months before the election and you can't have a vote on the Supreme Court justice eight months before an election. That's an important principle. What happened to that principle when President Trump nominated Barrett just weeks before? Oh, oh, that principle only applies to 
Democratic nominees, not Republican nominees. Oh, the shoe doesn't fit on the other foot, but that's okay. One foot is bigger than the other foot. That's just total nonsense. Let me tell you what Obama should have done if he had the courage of his convictions. He should have made the following announcement. I have appointed Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court, and he's going to serve on the Supreme Court unless the Senate rejects him. The Senate must have an up-and-down vote on whether to reject or not reject Merrick Garland. And if they don't have a vote on that, he's going to be sworn in. He's going to take the oath of office. He's going to put on the robes. He's going to march into the Supreme Court building and let anybody try to stop him. That's what he should have done. He shouldn't have allowed a bunch of politicians to undercut the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't say that the Senate can refuse to vote on a judicial nominee. It says the president shall nominate, and with the advice and consent of the Senate, make a justice of the Supreme Court. It doesn't permit for the Senate not to vote. The Senate has to either confirm or deny. It has to consent or not consent. And if it refuses to act, if it abdicates its responsibility, then the president gets to make the appointment and that justice sits. Who's going to stop him? Is the Supreme Court going to refuse to seat him? That's what should have happened. It didn't happen. And the Democrats got cheated, cheated out of a seat on the Supreme Court. And had they not been cheated of that seat, this decision in Roe versus Wade would not have come down. And so this decision by the Supreme Court, if it's five to four, is the result of theft, the result of political theft. And it shouldn't be accepted by the American people. What can we do about it? It's too late now. Uh, I suspect what Obama didn't do that is because he thought, of course, Hillary Clinton was going to be elected and she'll appoint Merrick Garland or somebody just as democratic or liberal as well, Merrick Garland is very much a centrist, but much in the image of Merrick Garland. So no harm, no foul. Of course, it turned out that that's not what happened that that seat then was filled by uh, Donald Trump, who appointed a conservative who is going to vote to overrule Roe versus Wade. So it's an illegitimate decision, politically, ultimately, in my view. But um, we can't cry about it. It's, it's, it's unfortunately a done deal. So let's do something about it. Let's use this as an opportunity to generate support, to go to the polls, to uh, persuade legislatures that it's in their interest to support a woman's right to choose at least up to a, a certain point. And uh, let's play what's called democracy. What's called democracy? Democracy means you don't rely on nine elitist judge, judges. You get the people out, get them voting. And uh, that's what I'd like to see done. And I will certainly help in that effort if people will organize and try to make sure that that a woman's right to choose abortion is not undone by a Supreme Court decision followed by legislative action that would deny what I believe is a fundamental right that a woman should have, at least during the first trimester or so or longer in her pregnancy. So I want to hear your views on this. Um, the letters that I got, and before we get to the letters, I have to talk about my great sponsor for just a minute, um, my great sponsor, uh, AnthemSoftware.com. Uh, if you own a small business uh, and you need help growing it, 
They're the guys to go to. Uh, Anthem Software, uh, they're your one-stop solution. Um, they help small businesses all over America find, serve, and keep more customers profitably by providing world-class uh, CRM software and result-focused marketing services. Your business will not only grow but dominate in the highly competitive modern world. Uh, that's AnthemSoftware.com. Uh, every business has a song. Let AnthemSoftware.com help you sing yours. Visit AnthemSoftware.com to schedule your free demo of this amazing, amazing solution. So let's get to the letters. Got, got again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters. And almost none of them dealt with the issue of whether it should get to the state or to the federal or the judiciary or the legislature. A few did. A few did. But most of them were something like this. Abortion is a holocaust and Dershowitz is all for it. No, no, I'm not for the Holocaust, and I'm not for uh, massive abortions. I'm for balancing a woman's right versus what alleged right of the fetus might be and coming up with a rational middle ground solution that permits abortion up to a certain point and probably not beyond that point. Um, but it continues. Abortion is first-degree murder by paid assassin using the most torturous methods devised by demon or mankind. Um, I can see no legitimate reason to murder an innocent life, and especially for the reasons that are actually in use today. So again, these are not people who are saying, leave it to the states. These are people who are saying, interpret the Constitution to prevent states from allowing abortion. So obviously, there are three possible approaches to this. One approach is, the Constitution says that the state cannot prohibit abortion. That's one approach. Another is it's up to the states. So some states will say a woman can have an abortion. Some states will say no. The third approach that is reflected in these letters and by a lot of fundamentalists is that the constitutional right to life, whatever that means, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence, but that, that right uh, precludes the state from allowing an abortion even on day one. So that's the most extremist view, and that's the view that I hear and read about in, in, in my letters. Exactly how far are we going with this abortion thing? States are now allowing, allowing, this is important because it talks, criticizes the states, not the federal government, allowing the murder of a child up to 28 days past birth. What? After 28 days past birth? What are you drinking? What are you smoking? I don't know of any state or any country in the world that allows the murder of a child 28 days past birth. This is against the Bill of Rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Read the Bill of Rights. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It's in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we have negated this also. Our founders are doing flips in their grave, etc., etc. Do I understand correctly that regardless of the unborn child that has a heartbeat in the very beginning of conception, or the conservative should be catering to the liberal world? Is this the world we want our next generation to live in? Live and let live regardless of who gets damaged? Only the strong survive attitude is a cold and callous way of living. Again, this is an argument for stopping states from allowing abortion. Let's be clear about that. And there have been some scholars and academics, indeed, 
at one point, Justice Barrett, uh, in a law review article, did at least talk about <clears throat> the right to life as perhaps guaranteeing a fetus not to be aborted. Obviously, she didn't say that in a judicial opinion and probably never would. And here again, you got to get to this. You can't just talk about any issue without focusing on me being a Jew. That, of course, is, is relevant to Thomas Jefferson, the Red Sox, um, you, you name it. Uh, would you feel the same about allowing abortion if the aborted babies were as many Jewish as blacks? I have no idea what the statistics are in terms of uh, aborted babies, and neither do you. Uh, nobody has that uh, data. And the answer is yes, if a Jewish woman wants to have an abortion, um, yeah, I favor her right uh, to do so, just as I would favor the right of an African woman to have an abortion. But you can't help but get into this kind of, it must be something Jewish, even if it's about abortion, it has to be something Jewish. Um, I disagree with him that most U.S. citizens want abortion to be available. Well, read the data, read the polls. But then he also, me, he also believes 81 million Americans voted for Joe. Yeah, I do. I, I believe that. Um, uh, how long do we have to wait for Dersch to own up to the love affair between communists and Democrats? I hate communists. I've hated communists all my life. I was a virulent anti-communist in, in college and in law school. And um, yet I defended, obviously, the rights of communists. I defended the rights of Nazis to have free speech. He remains on my list of worthless thought, worthless though educated. You know, again, it's it's this such group thing. Off-topic question from this. Okay, what's an off-topic question, Elon? What about the Harvard Crimson support supporting BDS? Can and should Harvard stop funding the Crimson? Okay, good question. The Harvard Crimson wrote an outrageous editorial uh, the other day. I've written a response to it. I hope it will be published, um, calling on Harvard to boycott only Israel, not Russia, not China, not Belarus, not Cuba, only Israel is the worst offender in, in the world, probably in the history of the world. Um, and no, Harvard doesn't fund the Crimson. The Crimson is an independent uh, corporation, um, and it's self-funding. Uh, it's called the Harvard Crimson, um, but uh, it's not affiliated directly with Harvard. The former president uh, of Harvard wrote a scathing attack on the Crimson. I haven't heard anything from the current president of Harvard, and I wait to hear what he has to say, because he too has free speech rights. The Crimson has free speech rights. I wouldn't censor it. I wouldn't ban the Crimson. But I would expect the president of Harvard perhaps to express some views about the outrageously bigoted and anti-Semitic um, uh, editorial uh, written by written by the the, the Crimson. So um, there are so many controversial subjects. I can't wait till we get back together uh, next Monday. If you can't wait to see me, I'll be on uh, uh, locals. I'll be on locals today. I'll be on locals every single day. And uh, see you back again on Monday.